The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs, and we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government, and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is The Mickey Ellison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison. Hello and welcome to The Mickey Ellison Show. My name is Mickey Ellison, if uh, you didn't figure that one out. And we are actually taking a step today. Let's, let's go back at the at the history of the show and what we've done really in the last couple of weeks where we've introduced people to you like Michael Gowan. He's a team beach body coach but actually has more of a ministry. We've introduced Tiffany Sweeley who is a, a friend of mine that I've known my entire – literally my entire life who – is doing fantastic things in Nashville, Tennessee. And Katie Ersta, if you haven't heard the story of Katie Ersta, if you listen to no other show that I've ever done on this radio on this radio show, go back and listen to Katie Ersta because if she can't inspire you, you can't be inspired. We've also had guests on um, like Chad Nams. We're dealing with growing uh, – uh, Tiffany, Michael, and I actually introduced what we're going to start working on. And that's helping people through the the – uh, spiritual, the physical, and the financial aspects. We've touched on the the spiritual. We've touched on the physical. Today, we're touching on the financial. And I bring back a guest and and a, uh, someone I really consider to be a, a, a really good friend, although I've only spent a couple hours with him physically in the same place. David Simpson is with us today. He's the author of uh, Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons. David has put up with me for two years and and maybe made a mistake of responding to an email a couple years ago. But um, in, in all seriousness, um, he has broken this down into a, a very simple, simple process, but yet he mixes in the, the spiritual side, which is probably the biggest problem that we have going on today. Hey, David, welcome back to the show, buddy. Good morning, Mickey. It's good. Listen, I've been on the show a few times. I might be your most uh, most numerous guest, I guess, that comes on, but your intro has gotten better and better and better, and I think you're just hitting the nail on the head with that one, so keep it up. It's fantastic. Uh, uh, thank you. I, you know, Do you know, I, I guess actually I don't know that you know this, you were the first real guest ever on the show. Well, that's a sad commentary, but you've gotten better, Mickey. (laughs) (laughs) And you're glutton for punishment. You came back. And you know from from the beginning of of the show that I I really didn't have a direction. And it started – as to what I wanted to do with it, I didn't desire to be a radio show guy. I'm, it's just not anything that that I had um, 
um, ever aspired to be. And being famous doesn't is not something I aspire to be. Right now, I'm not too famous. I got 253 followers on the show Facebook page, so that doesn't make you very famous. That just means you got some friends on Facebook that were willing to follow you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I see your Twitter but, followers almost 700. So you know, hey, you're making a dent. Hey, that, hey, that's funny on the Twitter deal because I tweet about once every two weeks. <laughs> because i i like the facebook avenue because you could I, i'm kind of long-winded and i need to i need more than 140 characters to actually right. get said what i want to say um but uh you know i did want to bring you back because we are tying these things together and I, we mentioned we actually did one of the great best radio shows we've ever done off air just a few minutes ago really? and we were we were talking about about your book and how um, I'm actually making a trip back to South Carolina and, and folks that are listening to South Carolina are just finding this out as I'm saying it um, at the end of this month. And we're going to tie through our my buddies that are the Team Beach Body coaches um, and, and, and they're also working at a spiritual level. We're also going to tie your book back to it because I think your book really is just common sense. And, and, and today – you know, I, I, I want to start off before we get into it with something that you had written to me in, in the book. Do you mind if I share that publicly? No, I, by all means. It says, uh, David had sent me a, a book and, and wrote a personal note, and he says, My friend, colleague, and fellow patriot, the world has merely, nearly been ruined by false financial gurus. Perhaps we can help restore the world and the common man on the efforts toward financial common sense. God bless. What do you what do you mean by that? I mean, it, it, as far as the the world of um, false financial gurus. Well, and by the way, uh, I'm honored that you guys are going to use my book and your program uh, of helping people be healthier and happier and holier and sound and spiritually fit. I think that's a, a wonderful endeavor that you guys are undertaking, and I wish you the best of luck. And, and, and any help I can offer, I would be glad to do so. Um, well, you know. And I, I'll be—I hesitate, hesitate to say this, but you know, a lot of these things, even in my own mind, are being reevaluated. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations—that, you know, that—that that was the answer to all. I mean, you know, you just know if you've read Adam Smith and The Wealth of Nations, which, by the way, I think most people who talk about it have not read it. Uh, I, I've tried a little bit. I, man, I need an interpreter for half that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's I've difficult. Got the book. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it's definitely a paperweight. You can put it on your desk because it's quite a quite a tome, um, but. Um, you know, I, I just think that the world of economics has gotten, and finance, has gotten to the point where we're just talking in kind of in circles, and there's some things that we accept as absolute truths that I would have to say are not true. Um, you know, all the way down to the thing that we kind of hold in the highest regard, and I know that I'm always going to shake you ground when I say this because there's a lot of people living on fixed income who say, well, what am I going to do if you take that away from me? But I believe interest, even the, the idea of interest has been um, – misconstrued and it's uh, actually turning into a, some of its own evil. Uh, we used to call it usury and at that point where everybody knew it was evil, you know, exorbitant interest. But what's the difference between exorbitant and normal or good interest? Is there a difference? I think we need to challenge some of these fundamental things that we believe and start asking ourselves, is that the best way that a society can run economically? And I think we're going to find that the answer is no and we need to chart a new course. And expand on that. What, you're, what, what are you talking? Put that in, in layman's terms for, for the average person that's going to be going through this class with us in, in South Carolina so that they they understand. I mean, I 
when, when you talk about interest, it's just a foregone conclusion that you're gonna you're you're gonna buy a house, you're gonna have a mortgage, you're gonna pay right. whatever whatever interest rate it is. You're gonna have a credit card. You're gonna pay whatever interest rate it is, and some of them are exorbitant. Yeah. And our car, whatever it is, because everything that we do seems to be centered around um, uh, credit and borrowing money. And, and you know, all you have to do is listen to any radio station on on on. Uh, uh, I don't know so much on this one, but on on. Uh, satellite radio or, or any other area and how many commercials you hear people talking about we got to restore your your credit rating yeah yeah For, well uh, well the short answer to your question there's a deeper answer and i'm not going to talk about the spiritual particularly this time because it is in my book i talk a little bit of, well not a little bit of quite extensively actually on the spiritual component of all this i think in some respects if there's a one thing i will say about the spiritual side is that we've made money and the growth of money into its own God. And that's always dangerous when you take an idol for God instead of having the real deal, right? Right. So leaving that aside, let's go to the practical application. Classically, the scholastic philosophers, and I think that's probably the height of human intelligence was reached maybe at that moment when the scholastic philosophers finally, you know, culminating in St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, um, they said any interest was usury. Okay, now I read that in, in, in Aquinas and thought, oh, wait a second, come on, no, I, I know that there's time value of money, I know that there's, uh, you know, there's supposed to be um, interest paid on capital items, because if you have a capital item and you're not using it, you let someone else use it, surely you, you owe them some compensation for the use of the capital item, blah, blah, and I went through basically all of my training uh, sure. that said I was, that Aquinas was wrong and I was right. Well, well, and hey, I'm going I'm to put a throw an aside in there that if there's any group of people that have been brainwashed more than anybody, it would be the people in our industry. Because man, I fight this stuff. I I I, I question things, and I go, well, maybe I'm I'm wrong about whether uh, about interest. And you talk about the time value of money, and, mm-hmm. and all these different things that are out there. When when I'm going, is this real, or is this what? What someone wants us to think. What's, is what's real. The, I think you're on the. I think it's the second one. It's what someone wants us to think. Well, ultimately, what they, what, what the classical philosophers who meditated and prayed and asked for God's guidance on this thing, what they ultimately determined was there was one exception to the ban on interest, and they said if you have a capital item. Uh, basically a non-consumable, so a, a house, let's say, as an okay. example, that you're not using. And you can charge someone, obviously, to rent that house. Um, now, later on, the people who started, I think, going into the erroneous part of this, they said, well, oh, well if there's an exception to the interest rule, then why can't we charge interest on everything? And that's where we've gotten now. And so, ultimately, you know, you ask for it in simplest terms. What's really happening, Mickey, is we've decided that we're going to take something that doesn't really have any profundity to it. In other words, money can't recreate itself. Money doesn't, doesn't mate and have children, right? <laughs> we, we've decided that it can, that it can. And how can it? It can through interest. But what we're really saying is, listen, I'm going to make you, someone else, some unknown person, I'm going to make you work and produce extra and give it to me because I don't want to work anymore. Well, listen, I understand that's a dream of everyone's. I just think it's fighting. I think it's a fight against Genesis. God said we're going to toil all the days of our life. He didn't say sixty-five years of our life. He didn't. Say, he, did, he didn't say anything about getting to get Social Security at sixty-five and quitting. 
I thought, dang it, I wish you to put that part in there. I mean, let's face it, we were thrown out of paradise, and so we're on a, a, on a, on a world of toil. And so, but someone convinced us that we can use our money as a tool that generates other money. Now, what that really means is that it sounds nice because it sounds like we're not harming anyone. It just sounds like, oh, that just happens magically in Never Never Land. But it doesn't happen magically in Never Never Land. Someone made a commitment to pay you back and pay you back more. Now, what is he really doing? What he's saying is, is I can guarantee or I can at least pretend to guarantee a future outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, he can't no more than you or I can. I, I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Can you? No, I don't even know if I want to know. <laughs> and so what we, what we end up with is we, have, we built up a kind of a fantasy. And I know this is going against everything you believe and hear and understand. And people are going to say, well, what, what are we going to do if we don't have it? I don't know they answer that question. Yeah, Other I hope than, they still want to do that class in two weeks when I get to, get to South Carolina. They might want to, not want to listen to these two lunatics on the radio. Yeah, well, they're going to say, <laughs> man, that guy's crazy. I, listen, I first fought this with all my heart and soul. Uh, when I read it in Aquinas, and it took me years. I mean, I'm talking years of of true meditation and prayer on the topic, because I said, listen, I know you're smarter than me, but I don't believe you. And so something's wrong. Either I'm smarter than you on this one issue, or I've got to make my uh, my intellect conform to a higher one and, and be humble and try to find the answer. Well, I, I spent a lot of time on it. And so the last part of my book is an essay that I wrote um, called The Banker's Bubble. And I think it's actually the, probably the best part of the book, the, the I, there's some things I wish I could have added to the book, and I did, and there's some things I probably could have taken out. But, um, but that, that essay, if you spend some time reading that essay and search through the footnotes and do your own prayer meditation on it, I think you're going to come to a conclusion that's radically opposed to the world, and I actually think that's a good thing. Um, I think it's going to lead you in a new course that says, I need to find a way to really be productive and in, pr- in production helping my fellow man, not passing what I want off of my fellow man and making him a slave to my future. Well, what you're talking about on the interest is not it's not necessarily that you're invest investing your money into some project that you're working on or, or some business that you're working on or or creating something for somebody else. What you're basically talking at is me go put my money into the bank, they pay me three percent interest and then they charge somebody else uh five, six, seven, eight percent interest on more dollars than what I put in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um that's how we make money doing doing nothing. When, yeah, when in reality, and, there, and you're right. And there's two evils. One of those evils is the middleman we call the banker. And I hate to call bankers evil because I don't mean they're all in, in themselves intrinsically evil. What I mean is they've adapted to a system that they believe passing just dollars back and forth somehow entitles them to a pretty hefty income in big buildings in every town. Um, I don't know if I buy that principle either. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know I'm gonna get thrown. I'm gonna, I'm getting thrown out of the club. I know it. <laughs> no, no, no. I already gotten thrown. Heck, you you know something that I haven't really announced out loud yet that uh, that I threw myself out of the club a couple weeks ago. So hey, we're getting close to a break. When we get back, we also want to talk, David, about yeah, we're talking about these things about learning it differently. But what can people do in in the real world that they still live in? Because we do have these mortgage things called mortgages, and, yeah. and we're still using dollars. All those things are important. And if you you can't, I, I haven't gotten to the point where I can just go live on a mountain and not have to worry about anything um, outside of this real world. Because there are things that I still need um, from from this world, like food and water. Yeah, and, and we stuff should, like Nikki. You're right, and we shouldn't do that. And uh, hey, folks, David Simpson is with me today. We'll be back in just a minute. The future of 
Online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned to the Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show, and I am Mickey Ellison. A few weeks back, we started introducing with Michael Gallon, Tiffany Swilly, Katie Ersta, and some of the other folks that we're, we're working with to help folks to focus on areas of their lives that could actually change their lives and maybe even change the destiny of themselves and their family. And that's talking about working on the spiritual side of life, working on the physical side. And today we're focusing on the financial side with with uh, my guest and friend, uh, David Simpson, author of Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons. And I actually think, David, that of those three areas that we're focusing on, the one that you and I have the most expertise in as far as so-called expertise, where we'd be trained. I got trained to be a certified financial planner. And all that training is probably the least important of the three, but yet it is a, it is an important piece of, uh, of those three things. Well, in the last segment, we went a little deep as to as – to, uh, uh, maybe even more complicated than what people were looking for. The reality is that we live in this world, and this world requires us to use dollars or whatever mm-hmm. it is to 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 be able to buy the things that we we deal with. But yet there are things that are challenges to us that it, people really I don't know that they understand that that there are forces out there that are that are forcing things to them, and have, they have used the education system to teach us that those things are normal. What, the one that comes to mind for me is inflation. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I, it's been a while. I don't know if it's still in my blog or not, but I wrote a piece a long time ago that there's four eyes. Uh, and this is, gets a little complicated, but it's not really. Inflation, interest, the IRS, and I, meaning myself, I, right? And most times we say, oh, it's me against those other three, inflation, interest, and uh, the IRS taxation. Well, it's not. You can, 
yes, those are forces that are arrayed against you. There's no doubt about it. And, and what you were talking about earlier, trying to go up a mountaintop, you can't because it's on the mountaintop. It's under the ground. It's everywhere. These forces are pervasive. We're not going to escape them. And so the question is, is there any defense besides just myself against those three things? And the answer is yes. Um, I took a concept you know, from the martial arts, judo, or whatever you want to say, where you use the weight of your enemy against you, uh, or against himself, rather. You throw him with his own weight. Um, interest is one of those things I think we might be able to get on our team. In other words, wow. right now it's a rate against us. We have to pay it everywhere we go, whether it be financing a car or a credit card or our home or whatever else. But what if we could actually flip that switch and use inflation a little bit to our benefit? And how do we do that? Well, Again, it's described in my book to some degree, but it's the whole be-your-own-banker concept. It's building your own capital reserve and then never using outside financing again. Now, you will continue to finance, if you will. In other words, you'll still borrow at time and pay yourself interest. But the reason you do that is it's increasing your own capital reserve. And in doing so, we hope to free ourselves so we can fight those enemies against us because we actually have capital in our coffers to fight them with. Right now, well, most of us are walking paupers, right? We, we, you know, we're what we call wage slaves, and as long as we stay in that condition, we'll never be able to fight the powers that be. Yeah, exactly, because we're we're constantly working to pay pay for the house that we live in. We're constantly paying to live for the for the car we drive, and all those things that uh, um, re- do require large sums of money. And and you know, I I I don't maybe it's just me, David, but when you start talking about that concept of, of be your own banker and, and the basic gist, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Is that we we start accumulating a sum of money, and when we go to buy one of those big items, we use that sum of money to pay ourselves back, and we charge ourselves the interest that we would have paid on the loan that we would have gotten from Bank of America, whoever the heck it else else it is that we might have gotten that loan from, and in, in in return, you become your own banker, and at the end, you wind up with all the money that it costs for the house plus the or the car plus the interest, rather than yeah. the bank winding up with it. Yeah, I mean that's the you know the simplest of it. I mean, it's, you, you you build a capital reserve. What does that mean? You build a pile of money. Then you say, okay, I need a large item. I need to do a home equity. I mean, I need to do a home remodel. Or I need to buy a car. Or I need to put braces on my kid or whatever. And you go, well, that's a larger amount of money than I want to spend out of my checkbook. So you say, okay, I'm gonna borrow from my bank, my capital reserve. But when we do that, what we need to do is make the separation between ourselves and the money. In other words, treat the money as if it is a bank. And so we don't say, oh, well, I have the money, I'll just go ahead and spend it. You say, no, no, I would have had to go borrow this because I didn't have it before. And so now, since I have to, quote, unquote, borrow it, you have to set up yourself a commercial loan. Act like you went to the bank and borrowed it, but you didn't. You went to yourself. Now, I know that sounds bizarre, but it's necessary because what's happening if you don't do it is you're getting eaten up by that same interest and inflation. And so what we're trying to do is offset the effects of interest and inflation and let it inure to our benefit rather than the banker's benefit. Well, um, and, and that's, that's a fight that's going to, that is extremely difficult because on the inflation side, you know, you, you talk about being in this business and, 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 and people looking at you like you have three heads is when you go over there <laughs> over to them and say, hey, this, you keep saying this inflation thing that we have is a little bit of it is a good thing. And I want to know the reason why, because it makes no sense to me, because when I go buy a loaf of bread at, at uh, Dillon's here in Kansas, and it cost me $3 now, and last year it cost me 2 I'm not real sure how that was good for me. No, I, uh, I'm definitely not an inflation bug, and I, I've read the treatises, believe me, I, and I, you know, I'm not saying they never have a compelling argument. They do. 
In other words, if you have a growing economy and you have a static amount of currency, it is possible, even though I think they're solved, but it is possible that that the money supply will not be adequate enough to let the economy grow. That's their theory, that you have to have an expanding monetary currency to allow production to keep growing. And that's, like I said, there, there's some aspects of truth to that, but not enough to make us do what we're doing, <laughs> which is continually dump enormous sums of money into circulation and devalue everyone else's currency, because that's what happens. I mean, whenever, if, we, if you and I had 10 apples between us and we're the only apples in town, okay, uh, everyone's going to go, wow, those apples are really sweet and juicy looking. I'd like to have one. So in other words, we have something that's very precious, and people are going to pay us for it. But if somebody brought a, you know, a Mack truck full of apples in the next day, guess how much our apples are worth? <laughs> you exactly. know, uh, well, they drop off the face of the map. Now we're trying to get two cents for each of them. Um, I, tried to, I tried to explain it to a guy the other day that, uh, and because I reversed it a little bit, and I said, Think about this. I'm a big baseball guy. If you've ever collected baseball cards, you know, like, the most valuable baseball card that you can find is a Mickey Mantle rookie. Yeah, okay? yeah. And let's say that there was – I have the only Mickey Mantle rookie card in my possession, and I'm going to sell it to David Simpson for uh, $10,000. Right. And you said, cool, I want that card, 10000 There's nothing like it. I'll pay $10,000 for that. If I had the only one, I think it would be worth millions. But yeah. anyway, let's say you pay $10,000 for it. And then I, I am I am the creator of the card, so I come back to a little later and say, you know, Dave, I really need to earn some more money. So before I sold that thing to you, I printed ten more of them, and I'm going to sell those for five thousand dollars a piece. Right. It and that is really what is happening to us each and every day. I I try to explain to people as far as going, they're saving for college, and I'm not saying I'll save for college because it's extremely expensive. But why is it so expensive? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's expensive because there's a third party payer out there that's running their prices up, uh, called Sally May and Fannie Mae, and uh, all the grants and everything else. Um, you you got a bunch of dollars chasing a limited supply of something. It's going to drive the price up, and um, and that's what's going on in that arena. And it's going on in just about every arena you can think of. Um, and there was a guy, a doctor, who wrote a book years ago. God, this has been in probably mid-'90s, and I don't even remember his name now. But he would talk about that very same thing. The reason health care costs were going so high was because we had this third-party payer, namely Medicare, Medicaid, and then, of course, the insurance companies come into play also. And he said, <clears throat> it's driving prices up, and you're blaming the doctors. It ain't the doctor's fault. Right. Right. Um, now, it's the doctor's fault to some degree. They're willing to keep charging higher amounts to see if they can bilk them out of the, out of the institutions. But well, um, Yeah, just go back and listen to that show that I, I did with Dr. Keith Smith back at the beginning of the program. You'll find out why it costs so much. And then yeah. if it doesn't make your bull blood, um, yeah. I don't know what will. Right. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, no. But I, no, we're, we're, same topic. I mean, it, 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 we have this going on throughout our society. So we, we started off talking about inflation a little bit. You know, the, the, the combat for this thing is, is you know some people say well let's have a gold standard let's have some commodity that's going to back our money that keeps the supply just growing but limited. Um, there's the whole uh, internet money thing. What's that called? I forgot now. Um, uh, oh, I, I remember Mount Gox. I remember that. What yeah, that, that one got in now? trouble. I, I, yeah, I, I, what is that called? Bitcoin. I can't remember now. It's, it's slipping my mind. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's different people out there applying <clears throat> their trade, trying to say how do we fix this? By the way, I think that's the next coming um, catastrophe, if you will. The next thing I think is going to happen in the monetary world is there going to be some major 
there already are some pretty major defaults of countries, but there'll be some major default or some extreme major crisis about money, and they're going to try to foist upon us some new currency to fix it all. Um, I actually think that's just coming next, and uh, we'll see if my prophecy rings true. All right. Well, I hope it doesn't come true for quite some time, I think. <laughs> Me too. Me too. But, but um, you know, it, we're, we're getting close to this this next break, but one of the things I do want us to talk about is in your book you mentioned the the, the different gods, like how we've turned money into gods and how we've turned, turned what uh, you call the, retire, the t- retirement god, I think it is, something of that nature. And, and and the the fallacy, some of the fallacies that were, were taught, I've got a story that I, I will tell um, regarding when I first got into the business and presentations that we would give about your chances of, of surviving in retirement for 30 years based off some report done by T. Rowe Price, blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> and when I tell you this, if you think about this using common sense, you'll go, I don't want to do that because that doesn't sound very good. But, hey, we'll be back from this break in a minute. David Simpson and I will will be here when if you come back. See you then. Awesome. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Mickey Ellison along with David Simpson, my my friend who is here to help us talk about um, the, the, phys- or the financial side of what 
Michael and Michael Gow and Tiffany Swilly and I introduced about about two or three months ago that we're going to start focusing on helping people from the spiritual, the physical, and, and when I say physical, I mean health and the financial side. And I couldn't think of any greater guest that I could ask to be on the show. Um, he's author of a book. I'm gonna we're gonna pass these books out to the those folks that we're gonna meet in South Carolina in a couple weeks and. It really is an opportunity for us. I mean, literally, when we talk about changing the world, I, I'm in no position to go out and say, hey, I know exactly what the state of Kansas should do. Because I don't know what the state of Kansas should do, but I know what my kids should do. I know yeah. what I, I know how I would like to see our church react and, 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 and helping in the community and all those sorts of things. And that's how we change the world. It's one person, one family, one community at a time. It's not changing this this big blob, as Mike Church calls it, of America, and, and, and molding it into what we think it should be, because frankly, that just makes us a tyrant too. I, I, I really do. I, I, I think you're a genius on that aspect of it, Mickey. It, it, the we cannot change the world. I actually think that the world, that whole concept of engaging ourselves in the world, like I have to be worried about what's happening in Zimbabwe and I've got to do something for the whales and I've got to help England or whatever. You know, I think that's an intentional distraction from us making a difference where we sit, where we actually are. Um, you know, if there's poverty down the street from you, but you're worried about it happening in South Africa, I mean, listen, I'm, we, I, I'm sympathetic with it happening anywhere. But, it, but years ago, no one knew these things. And there were 100 years ago when there was not this com- these communication ability. We didn't know that. And so we went and helped the guy down the street because that's logical and it's actually practical and, and doable. Um, now we all are so numb and so just it's, you know, so pervasive, all the problems that we have, that we're just constantly trying to fix the world. We end up doing nothing. Right, um, right. Man, I, I really believe that you're onto something with keeping it local, keeping it family, keeping it church, and we will make a difference. Yeah, we can, and, and it doesn't mean that it's going to look like it does today. Um, it, it, the status quo may, may not be the same, but yet we're still here. You and I are still here, and we we have precious moments on this earth to to make a difference. And you know, we may find someone that listens to this show or is a part of what we do in, in South Carolina, and we'll eventually do it here in Wichita as well, and do it in Nashville with Tiffany being in Nashville. The, those things will 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 go a long way, and. It's not to bring attention to me because you know what? I'm the most uh, – I have more uh, problems and more issues, more failures than, than anyone else. What I have learned, and I learned this from uh, really from Katie Ersta that was on a couple weeks ago, and, and this is a, a, a young lady that's dealing with stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma. And by the way, she's doing fantastic. She had her right. last treatment. Um, um, I think she has it on the 18th and uh, just doing great. But she, and, you know, she doesn't know what the world is what's going to happen in her world but what she has done is she is affecting other people i mean i had someone listening to the show that i had never this had never happened to me before that that sent me a a quick facebook post that said hey thank you for having katie on the show because she was exactly what i needed at that time and that's how we that's how we change the world we affect those around us there may be somebody that you and i are talking to it takes it well beyond anything that you and I can imagine. But we also got to understand that you got to watch that person taking it beyond what you, you, you expect because if they're looking to bring attention on themselves, then they're not 
they're potentially not doing it for the right reason. Oh, no, I think there's no doubt about that. And I, there's always the, 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 I hate to call it, but there's always the politician out there. Well, I, I'll be the one who's going to save us all. Well, no thanks, Hitler. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no thanks, Stalin. Uh, I don't need you. You know, uh, I'll, be, I'll be king of my own castle. But I think you know, your, your analogy with, with Katie Ursa, I've not heard that interview. I will go back and listen to it. Um, but I, I perceive it the exact same way on a, on a global scale. In other words, take your country, and we'll let's look at America. I look at it as having a huge cancer. We have a, a terrible disease running all through our body, and it's, it's got different facets to it, different parts and problems, different causes, and different symptoms. But it's a disease, nonetheless, and it's killing the body politic, if you will. And how, how does a body fight a disease off? Does it, does it just ransack it and you know, bring in a new program to fix the whole body at one time? No. The individual cells, wherever they are, they go out as a cell and fight that disease one cell at a time uh, and one tumor at a time or whatever else. And so if we can strengthen the cells of the body, we can make the whole body heal and be better. Well, it's just like that physical part with, with getting into the shape. I don't know that you've ever seen the picture of me about 12 years ago when I was 260 pounds. Wow, you weren't and, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, you got. You, I know you're not a big Facebook guy, but because I said that on the show one time before with Michael Gallons on my best friend from high school, Rhonda Alexander, just hammered me that she wanted to see that picture because she didn't believe it. So, yeah, they're, they're big boy. From Shoney's is is on on, uh, on Facebook. So, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, you know, it, it, it's the same type of thing. It, it it is recognizing first that you have the issue and you got to deal with it, and yeah. then you start to change little things in your life. I mean, it, it's a lot of this stuff is simple. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it no, is very simple. If you're losing weight, this this is the simple way to do it. Unless you have some medical condition that doesn't that, that doesn't work, but most of us don't have that. We have one condition called lazy. Yeah, and and if you will just move more and eat less food, you will lose weight. I lost my weight before I got involved with these guys with Team Beachbody, but what they're doing it, and some of these folks that are involved with that is spectacular because they are changing people's lives and they're staying with them. It's not like hey, you go to this doctor and and, yeah. and you follow what he does. No, they're staying involved with their lives because you know what? Everything we do, we screw up, but we need someone to say, you know what? Yeah, in the in the weight loss part, you ate some bad food this weekend. Guess what? It's not the end of the world. You're probably going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it reminds me of our of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that that um, the the body wants us. It, it wants to go after these easy things, these things that are pleasurable, while our 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 soul and we know that we shouldn't do those, but yet we do them. And the the beauty is, we can come back to Him. And he still accepts us, and he's still there, there to to forgive us. Now he does; he's not happy with us for that we go do those types of things. But anyway, I'm rambling right now. We're supposed no, to be but, talking no, about but no, but you know, you're touching on the thing that I think is so important, and that is, and most people are very skeptical of this, by the way. But you talked about community, you know, community actually caring about the fellow members of the community and being there for them. I know, listen, none of us can be there for you all the time. And it's not like we're going to walk around holding hands the whole time and every time you take a wrong step, I'm there to pull you out. Uh, I, I try, though, in my own business to create that very thing you're talking about. I want a community in my business. I don't want 
um, just a client that I meet with once a year, and then I really know nothing about his life beyond that. I'm just glad I, pay, I got a bill paid because he bought something from me. It's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, I'm looking for all of us to come together as a kind of a, a collective mind, if you will, and help us solve each other's problems. So if someone encounters something, I usually share that through my blog or through meetings with the clients, and I say, hey, so-and-so encountered this problem. This is how he fixed it, or this is what's happening, and if it can help you, good. And um, now, not enough of my clients take me up on that because, like I said, there's a very deep skepticism about that kind of idea of community. Uh, it's like a rejection almost uh, instantaneously because I think because they've been hurt in neighbors by neighbors and by family before. And so they say, oh, I'm just, it's by every man for himself. But we've right. got to stop that because we're tearing ourselves apart. And we really do have to find a community and love it and live with it. Yeah, and, and that is, I, I think some of that has been done to us on purpose because the things that we used to do for, you know, you talk about poverty and you mentioned earlier how, how if, if there, were po- there was poverty in your community, how the people would come together to help. Well, mm-hmm. today we just throw that off to we, we pay our taxes, you go take care of that, I'll go take care of myself. That's right. And we, That's right. we never get to know these people. And I believe as far as that, that answer to poverty and, and, and I know that we have people listening to us that, that aren't necessarily Christians, but you apply it somewhere else, whatever your little community is. But I go back to the church, and and it's a matter of getting to know people. Find the people within your own church that may be on welfare that don't want to be there, and stop building million-dollar buildings when you got people that could use the help. It's not giving them something. It's actually helping them, but they need yeah. some help to get over you know, being able to, whatever it is that they're going through right now. And then you do that. And when it comes their turn, because someone helped them, they'll turn around and do the same thing. That's how you change the world. But uh, Well, send me a picture when you were 260 as well, because I think when we sat down and had lunch together, you were probably no more than 200 pounds at the most, uh, well, maybe about, even 180. About 180, 175, 180 is where I try to be right now. But uh, um, And, and I, I, because of these Beachbody folks, I'm on a, on a mission to actually see all six of those abs that you – that. Uh, Apparently, are there, and I can't see <laughs> That'd be nice to get the last couple in, huh? Get those last two showing. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, that's right. And, and do it at 43 years old, right? But, oh, uh, man. But, oh, anyway, man that's hey, let's funny. go back a little bit. I know I went too long with, with some of this other stuff, but I think it's important, and it's more important than just talking about the financial aspect. But let, we have about three minutes in this segment. Let's talk about that, um, that false possible false god of retirement this isn't saying don't save money um for for in in the future or anything like that but i'll give you a story when i first got into the business we would come in we'd do the presentations and basically what we were doing was trying to find the right hook to get you to buy something yeah that's kind of that's kind of what the business was about and it was a it was a um study that i think it was t Rowe price had done and it was in in some some stuff from uh, John Hancock, but they showed T. Rowe Price's deal. And it was your chances of, of surviving or making it through retirement for 30 years. Okay. And what, how you could invest. And it went all the way from 100% in bonds all the way to 100% in stocks. Yeah. Okay. All right. And let me ask you, ask you in a different way. If I told you today that I have this great, great, Thing that's going to change your life and help you live the rest of your life if you drive up here to see me in Wichita, down there from from uh, Covington, Louisiana, or, or whatever, Mandeville, wherever the heck you live down there. And I said, but here's the catch. You have a 68% chance of making it here alive. You have 32% chance of dying on the way here. Are you really interested in coming to see me? 
Man, that's uh, I'm fifty odds a little hard. I'm I'm, I'm going to wait for a little bit better uh, better trip odds. Yeah, so that's what they, they were going out there and saying. Well, if you invested, this, uh, it was a hundred percent bonds at the time, and figuring in this inflation that that just happens to be out there, that there's it's just natural. Uh, figuring in inflation and co- for cost of living and all those sort of things. If you invested in bonds, you had like a hundred percent chance of not making it for thirty years of retirement. But if you put um, 80 to 100% in stocks, you have a 68% chance of making it. Oh, wow. And, and here's here's where my common sense would kick in. I just I, I, I just ignored it at the time. I would go, that doesn't sound very good. No, and you're saying that, that one out of every three people is going to go belly up. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so let's go with the one that at least gives us the 68% chance rather than one that, that is zero. And I don't know where they come up with those dang numbers anyway. Well, I'll it, it talk just, on that when we come back about the false gods, but I'll just make one comment about that. You know, but you see, that kind of goes back to what I was saying in the first segment, which is, well, I hope that I'm part of the two that survives. And so what about the other guy who gets jacked? I mean, I don't know if that's a healthy, uh, healthy position <laughs> yeah. to be in, do you? I don't think it works out very well because eventually we're the one that gets jacked. Folks, I David, agree. Simpson and I, David Simpson and I will be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune into the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Good morning and welcome back to the last segment of the show where David Simpson and I will attempt to stay on task and talk about financial issues. And this, and <laughs> although, you know, I, I joke about that, David, but the, the, all this stuff plays together. 
it, it does play together. Um, before we went to the break, we I told the the story about the the retirement, and I actually have the uh, I found the the PDF that I have on it for anybody that doesn't believe me that that was true. And by the way, that was in 2002, I believe it is when they did that study, or 2001 or something like that. And there's a few things that have happened uh, since then, like 2008, right? And, uh, and and I'm thinking even the numbers they have on on there now are wrong. I mean, do you remember? Um, when you got into the business, and I think you and I started about the same time, actually. I started in 98, yeah. Okay, well, I started in 99. And and folks would say, well, you could start up, you could take a 6% income stream for the rest of your life. And then they changed it to 5, and then they changed it to 4, and then they say, oh, it might only be 3.5. That's right. Blah, 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 blah. Well, what happened to those people that we told they could take 6 several years ago? We just blow them off, say, oh, you're screwed, you're, you're just going to run out of money. I've been noticing that same thing, and I haven't actually. I haven't made any commentary on it because I pretty much ignore the mainstream now. But <laughs> uh, yeah, but I did notice that they dropped to four, and then they and that, but they're not dropping to four. What they're saying is we don't believe a four percent can be done. That's what they're saying now. Is uh-huh. so you better watch out, even if you're drawing fours. The new is the new mantra, and so you know what. Whatever. I, I just the way. Yeah, you know why? Because the way you do it doesn't work. How about we change the way you do it? But they're not going to try yeah. that. Exactly um, right. I, I want to comment on your on the go, gods yeah, go of ahead. money because I did want to make a statement that you know I, I, sometimes when I was talking to a friend like you, Mickey, I can be as bold and brash as I want, and I'm not that way in my office. Not because I'm trying to hide anything, but because I think people have certain sensibilities that I'm trying to be prudential and guard against. In other words, you can't tell somebody, "Oh, you made God." You made money into your God because it's very off-putting. You know, they they say, "Oh, what the heck with you?" You know, I don't want to hear that from you. I, I know who my God is, and I love Him, and you can't tell me I don't, and so on. So I don't do that. I really do believe that in many instances people have made money into a God, but they don't know it. Uh, and that may sound like a like a baloney, like I'm just trying to blow smoke, but I'm not. I, you you what you find out is that they truly, you know, they go to church and they profess and. You know, they really care. But then when, when they're in my office, I ask them why they're accumulating money. You know, what's the purpose of this? What's the outcome you're trying to achieve? And I, this is in my book also. I get pretty, a pretty standard response, uh, or several responses. One, uh, I don't want my kids to work as hard as I did. I'm thinking, well, why not? You made it because you worked hard. Why shouldn't they work hard? They'll make it too, you know? But I don't say that. I go, oh, okay. But what they're saying is, you see, money somehow can take the place of God who provides, Right. Right. Um, another popular one I hear is, oh, if I had a million bucks, you know, if I won the lottery, I'd go buy X. What are they saying? Translation, money can buy you happiness. Well, that's not true. You know, God's the source of happiness. But you see, so what I'm saying is, is they don't mean to do it, but they slowly but surely, because we live in this very materialistic society, they slowly but surely adopt the underlying philosophy, which is money is the answer to everything. And it's not. The happy, the, we have a, as good of an example and a sad example that happened this past week of any with Robin Williams commit, potentially committing suicide. Who this in the world guy, has everything? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got fame, he's got fortune, and he made a living making people laugh. But in the end, he was tormented somewhere inside enough to have possibly taken his own life. And, yeah. and it's not to, to downplay that, but that should tell us that. How many Robin Williams stories is there out there? I mean, you got Michael Jackson, you got you got Elvis, yeah, you got all these people that they have what we have been told to perceive as the what you've got to have. They have fame, they have fortune. And I told someone the other day, I said, you know, we can look at people and say what what brings happiness. You could take someone like. 
Bill Gates and say, Bill Gates has made billions of dollars and, and he's doing fine. But you also look at someone like Mother Teresa. Now, Mother mm. Teresa had probably what I would imagine, while tormented at, at times and, and dealing with, with issues, she actually had pure joy. She did. Does Bill, does Bill Gates have pure joy? I, heck, I don't know. You have to ask Bill. I would venture to say no, but I will tell you this. I remember when Mother Teresa came to America, she said she'd never seen a country so devoid of love. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but she saw no love here. And I remember it struck me because I'm thinking, she's in the slums of what, New Delhi, I think? And, um, And she saw more love there, just pure human interaction and care for another human being than she saw in America where we're all boarded up in our suburbias and... Ne- don't even know our next door neighbors. Yeah, and, um, and are we are we riding we're riding down a road and we see someone on the side of the road that that needs help and we we drive by because you talk about a, a, a society devoid of love. You don't know whether that person's really really needs help or if they're gonna they just want you to pull over so they can rob you. So we right, don't, or, we or they want you know this is what we get and, and then again it's endemic to our society. But we see the news reports and the news reports say oh some of the guys standing on there with the signs are just scam artists. They actually drive BMWs. They make more money than you do scamming other people out of charity. So you get so we get so jaundiced and so and so, <laughs> you know just so fed up with it. We say you know what I don't believe in it anymore. Well we've well, got to believe in something. Or else you won't work for it, or else you won't love it. I, I yeah, saw, I, I was watching a show last night, and they quoted uh, W.B. Yeats in a poem. He said, We've lost our center, and we can't hold the fight. That was, I'm, I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing that poem. He did it much better than I could say it. But, but his point was, is that we no longer have a central belief system that guides our steps. And since we don't, we're losing the fight everywhere we go. And I think that's the heart of the problem, and I'm just trying to touch on one little component of it, the financial side of a person's life. Yeah, and we had a guest on last week, a friend of mine too, uh, Chad Nelms, who happens to be one of the team Beachbody coaches as well. But Chad, had, along with a, a group of people at a local church in my hometown of Williamson, South Carolina, and I don't remember exactly what they call the program, but they basically have a couple of times a year where they – they um, accumulate food. They get donations from grocery stores and from people and blah, blah, blah. And they just hand that out um, to anybody that, that comes in. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, there, there's a cynical side that says, well, there are people just abusing that. Well, yeah, there always are going to be. So does that mean we don't try to help, help people? We're supposed to judge. That's between them and God. That's right. That's correct. I, I have no control of it. We constantly teach our boys on the baseball team. You know what, boys? Control what you can. And don't worry about what you can't control. You can't control whether that person walking in the door is is scamming you to get a free yeah. can of beanie weenies or whatever it is. And so you decide not to do it anymore because that of that person when there is hundreds of them sitting over there that really did need the help, but you're no, not going to help them because of the one. Absolutely, Mickey. I'm mean, asking the same thing to my kids and my wife. You know, once you give charity. It doesn't matter. You, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a scorecard up in heaven, but God knows you gave out of a charitable heart. If that person who received it is a scam artist, guess what? God knows that too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get the plus mark and he gets the minus mark. You know, So uh, there's absolutely nothing to worry about once you give from a, a position of love. Yeah, and you know, I was I was asked by a, a gal here in the office to come speak at a group that they have in a, in a couple weeks. And I hesitated at it because I can sit here and talk on this radio show. When I can't see anybody, I don't get nervous whatsoever. But if I'm standing in front of a group of people, I'll start sweating buckets when I'm up yeah, there doing. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I guess it's one of those uh, those fears I'm going to have to deal with. But I said, you know, I changed my mind. I think I do want to talk. And I think I want to talk to people about a couple, one thing that is on my heart. And I believe I have found the secret of success. Will I ever be successful? I don't know. But the one thing that I have learned watching what I do, how it makes me feel, how it make, how it changes the, the, the lives of other people is learning, do the exact opposite of what world, the world tells you to do. Serve others versus yourself. Yeah. And Dave, we have like 30 seconds. So anything you want to throw out there before we're done? No, I just want to thank you for bringing me on. And uh, I really appreciate the time to talk about it. I hope people are hearing the message. And I, but even if they don't, like you said, it's not about us or popularity. It's about one person at a time. And I think we'll make a difference over the long haul. Absolutely. And I look forward to sharing your book with those folks down in South Carolina. And uh, for those of you get excited about coming down, let me know that, that you're going to be there with, with Michael and I when we show up. And uh, we can change the world by changing the lives of individuals closest to us in our homes, in our churches, in our communities. And, and ultimately, that winds up making a huge difference and makes this world a much better place to live in. David Simpson, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. And uh, next week, we will actually have another one of the Team Beachbody folks on, uh, a, a gal named Deidre Penrose, that you wanna hear her, you'll want to hear her story as well. Um, David, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Mickey. All right, see you guys next week. so much for joining us on the Mickey Ellison Show. Mickey plans to be here again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hope you'll be here too.